0: Just think of this idea of, again, the two things that professional investors know continuously moving over into new investments. So, as cash flow is rolling in, you're making new investments using that cash flow and that's how you create exponential wealth.
1: Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know, Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday. You're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going.
2: Hello, best ever listeners, and welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Theo Hicks, and I'm back with Travis Watts for another edition of the Actively Passive Investing Show. Travis, how are you doing today?
0: Theo, doing great. As always, happy to be here.
2: Yeah, thanks for joining us. And today, as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, from Travis's background, how to invest like a pro speculating versus investing. So, I think this is going to be a very good topic. It's simple, but it's very important to understand the difference between speculating when you're investing and then actually investing. So, Travis, maybe again, as usual, tell us. The background to why you wrote, because this is gonna be based off of a blog post Travis wrote, and then we will dive into the differences between speculating and investing.
0: Yeah, to your point, Theo, really, it's a basic concept. It may not even warrant a blog post. I did it as a blog post because I felt it was important enough to share this with people. And because I have so many conversations with investors week to week. And oh my goodness, the term investing is just not created equal, especially in the real estate space, it gets thrown around loosely, but I don't think a lot of people have a good grasp of what it even means to be an investor. So I really wanted to hone down and clarify. If you're listening, you probably think you understand already, and maybe you do, but I want to break it down a little more in depth to paint some real examples of Mm -hmm. speculating versus investing. So that's kind of why I wrote it and what we're going to talk about.
2: Perfect. So, best of listeners, if you're a loyal listener, you've been listening for a while, you know that Joe has his three immutable laws of real estate investing. And the first law is to buy for cash flow, not for appreciation. And the distinction is made between natural appreciation and forced appreciation. So, that law of real estate investing is going to apply to what we talk about today.
0: Yep, 100%. It goes hand in hand. So, lesson number one, I put in the blog, is about the velocity. Of capital, which is something not widely talked about. And the velocity of capital is just this simple concept that your money has to continually be moving. You have to be constantly reinvesting, reallocating, doing a refinance, having a sale, moving money around. The minute that you start taking cash and shoving it under a mattress or putting it in a safe, putting it in the bank, it begins to die not only because of inflation, but potential loss. And when you're locking a bunch of home equity in, in let's say a stagnant market, all that cash is just sitting there locked up and there's nothing you can do about it in order to access it. So you could think of it like electricity. So an electrical current has to constantly be moving. The second that it mm-hmm. stops moving, it starts to dissipate, erode and go away and die. Well, that's the same with your money. So think about it that way. So a couple of things I wanted to define upfront is what is speculation? What is investing? Let's just give some simple bullet points here. And by the way, (laughs) there's a lot of ways to invest and I'm not advocating one is better than the other. I just want to paint a scenario and let you set with that to think maybe that could apply to you. I've made money. Theo's made money. A lot of people have made money in the speculation space and in the long-term approach. So speculation is like, let's say that you're going to flip a house. Why is that speculation and not investing? Well, you're speculating that your rehab budget is gonna cost what it's gonna cost. You're speculating that it's gonna take you about three months to turn that property over. You're speculating it's gonna sit on the market one month after that. You're speculating the purchase price someone is gonna be willing to pay for that. That's a lot of speculation. And that's why it's not investing. You have to constantly be repeating that process and gambling, in a sense, it's an educated guess, hopefully, but it's still speculating. Another example, I hear this a lot on the real estate guys. I'm a big fan of their podcast, but they have callers that call in and they'll say something like, Hey, I bought this property out in California and it has a negative cash flow, or it's a break even. It doesn't have any cash flow to it. I'm renting it long term, but hey, it's in California. It's an appreciation market, right? So, like in five years, Hopefully I'm going to sell it for twice what I paid for it. Again, you're speculating the market's just going to go up, up, up and away forever. Look at what's happening to California right now. That may not be the case. So there's an element of speculation to that without having any cash flow and a development deal, whether syndication or your own, you're speculating the cost and the build and the time frame and the permits and what it's going to sell for, what it's going to rent at. There's a lot of speculation in that. So of course, you don't have to agree with me on this point, anybody listening, but I see these things as speculative opportunistic types of plays and less about investing. So let's talk about investing. What do I mean then? Who's an investor then? Well, cash flowing real estate primarily because what are you banking on? You're banking on the current income. You're actually buying an income stream. You actually have tenants in there right now. You have a long history of people paying and what the collections have been. So that's what you're really banking on. So it's still a little bit of speculation. That would be the speculation that people are gonna continue renting your property over the next few years. That's your speculation, but it's a lot more conservative than thinking you're gonna lease up a 400 unit building from scratch in 12 months. You may or may not. A dividend paying stock. A lot of people buy stocks because they've had a consistent distribution of dividends for 20 years, let's say. So that's an investor. You're investing for cash flow or same with like a bond. Most people aren't buying bonds because they think it's going to go up in value. They're buying it because of the yield mm-hmm. on the bond. Bad example in today's world, but historically speaking, we can get 5 6 7% on a bond. That would be the case. So any thoughts before I move on, Theo, from that?
2: Yes, I'm glad you made that distinction at the end and said that. If you're buying for cash flow, there's still some small level of speculation, but it's minor compared to some of the other investment strategies where most, if not all, of the moving parts are based off of speculative assumptions, assuming that things will continue to go the way that they go. And this reminds me of something that we're putting in our past investing book that should be coming out in early 2021. And it's talking about uh, relating to, to risk in different investments. And the possibility versus probability. And so no matter what you're investing in, there's always a possibility that something goes wrong. Right? There's no investment that's 100% guaranteed to perform exactly how you expect it to perform. And so it's possible that that won't happen for all investments. So the question isn't, was well, is it possible to lose money? Yeah, obviously. The question is, what is the probability of you losing money on that investment? So the more assumptions that are put into this deal the more probable it is that money will be lost. Again, it's not always the case, but usually the more probable it is that you lose your money, the also more probable it is that you make a lot of money. So when it comes down to speculation versus investing, when you're speculating, the probability of you losing money is a lot higher because of the number of assumptions that are made, as opposed to when you're investing, sure, you're still making money. Sure, it's still possible that you lose money, but the probability of losing money is much lower.
0: That's a great point. I appreciate you pointing that out. That's 100% the case. Couldn't agree more on that. So I point out a couple things. I say that professional real estate investors understand two things. Number one is the need to continually move money into new investments. And number two, how cash flow is used to create exponential wealth. So let's talk a little bit about that. I put in the blog an example of a gambler. So just to paint the picture of a term that I used in the blog called house money. So if I go to a casino and I have $1,000 and I go place a $1,000 bet and I end up winning $1,500. Okay, that means I now have $500 more than I started with. Still have the thousand plus the five. So if I take the original thousand that I had first bet, that I won back essentially, and I put that in my pocket. And now I only have 500 left in my hand. Now I'm playing with house money. What is my risk at this point, right? I can go around and just bet here and there, 100 bucks, 100 bucks. I can go to zero, but ultimately I didn't lose anything, right? Because I still have the thousand dollars I walked in the door with. So you can play this game without being a gambler <laughs> in terms of being a cash flow real estate investor. So the example I lay out in the blog is. If you had just for example sake, $500,000 and you decide to spread your risk into five different investments, 100K, 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 100K. Let's assume each of those cash flowing pieces of real estate give you a 10% annualized return. So that means at the end of the year, you're going to have $50,000 in passive income. And collections and dividends or interest, if you want to relate it to other assets. So here's the thing at the end of that year, let's say it's December now, and now I have 50,000 more than I started with, I can take that 50 and go make a new investment. I can go put 50 into syndication or private placement or some stocks or whatever. And I'm now playing with house money. I now reduced my risk because now I'm going to go leverage and make even more cash flow and have even more tax advantages, but not have to be worried about that 50000 And every single year, assuming these are multi-year deals, you can do the same thing. Every year, you get to take another fifty. Actually, it'd be a little higher because you're compounding the earnings on the new investment as well, the sixth investment. So every year you play with more and more house money to the point that you're playing mostly with house money. And so you're therefore reducing your risk as compared to, now let's look at the opposite situation. I have $500,000 to invest and I spread that into five development deals that are gonna take multiple years to develop. Well, that means A, there's probably no cash flow in the meantime. And what happens if in three years down the road, the market shifts, we go into a great, huge recession. And now our assumptions, our speculation, they're way off. We're never going to sell this property for what we thought. It's costing more in construction costs because of bad trade deals that politically happen. And so many things can happen. The city's denying different permits. Who knows? It's not leasing up because someone built right next to us and they're leasing up before us, and therefore we can't collect enough tenants. There's a lot of things that can happen with that. So now, my principal, my initial $500,000 is at risk. I've had no house money in the meantime. I haven't been able to reduce any risk. And now I'm looking at a loss of potential principal. So just think of this idea of, again, the two things that professional investors know, continuously moving over into new investments. So as flow is rolling in, you're making new investments using that cash flow. And that's how you create exponential wealth. You keep stockpiling on to the cash flow. A big way that Robert Kiyosaki, Rishabh Dad author, invests is he calls it the infinite return. So he'll go in, add some value to a property, do a refinance, pull a lot of that initial equity out and go do another deal and then add value and refinance and pull as much equity out as he can. He'll go do another deal. Well, meanwhile he's holding all of these properties and they're all still cash flowing. So this is the exponential growth curve that he's creating that way. So there's different methods to it. I honestly don't prefer that method, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. I like the shorter sale points. I like to sell between three and five years potentially and move it into more investments myself, but Hey, it doesn't matter (laughs) me versus anybody else. Just, wanted to paint the picture of what this is all about. So that's really what the blog's about.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of people that I've talked to on the podcast that started off with a chunk of money. Usually it's not 500 grand, it's a lot less than that. And they're active investors, obviously. And the same concept applies where they'll use that 30 grand and then they will follow the Kiyosaki strategy. It's called a Burr strategy. They'll buy it, they'll rehab it, they'll rent it, they'll refinance and they'll repeat it. And after that first investment, that repeat, you're now using that same money again. So you've got a house and you've got your 30 grand back. The only difference now is I have a house, plus I've got 30 grand to, to do it again. And so they continue to use the same money over and over and over again to build up a portfolio while at the same time, Generating cash flow from those properties that they can then use that house money to go ahead and continuously reinvest. And as I mentioned on our conversation, I think it was last week when I talked about this, because I remember I made this spreadsheet where it compared 401k versus investing. And I remember I did it and I realized that well, the 401k can keep putting money in here over and over and over and over again, whereas in this scenario, I'm putting in fifty thousand dollars or whatever it was. And then yes. that's it. <laughs> I'm not investing again. So, not only is my net worth way higher in this investing category, but the amount of money I'm inputting is also different. So, the ROI is just massively different because of the fact that, again, I don't need to keep putting money into a 401k. I can just reuse that same capital over and over and over again while at the same time generating house money.
0: Exactly. So, the lesson is when you reinvest cash flow you're essentially reducing your risk at the end of the day. As you said, really at the end of the day, this is a very simple concept. And I'm sure anybody who's professionally on LinkedIn or I think it's Instagram, those are probably the two worst for being hit up by these Bitcoin and cryptocurrency traders who call themselves investors. It just drives me nuts. Maybe that's where I derive this deep in my subconscious. I'm angry, but uh, (laughs) anyway, I just wanted to get the reality out there that that is not investing. If there's no cash flow to it, if it's speculating, which of course, crypto is speculating, you're not an investor. You can call yourself that. And that's the problem though, is a lot of people like to call themselves investors. So that's my rant on it. Bitcoin's the
2: future, Travis. You didn't know that? (laughs) That's
0: a future. <laughs> well, it may be, but we have to acknowledge that it's a speculative <laughs> play and that if we're going to buy Bitcoin at 10,000, the hope is it's going to go to 20. That's the hope. That's the speculation. If we buy at 10 and we sit on it for 20 years and it goes to five, <laughs> that's the whole concept there. So Benjamin Graham has a great quote I'll close with here on this concept. He says, confusing speculation with investment is always a mistake sums it up. Couldn't be more true.
2: Yeah. In our three immutable laws post, we talk about it similar to gambling scenario that playing blackjack, whatever. And I think we talk about roulette and you bet on black and it happens to hit black 10 times in a row. And you look like a genius because you've 10 times your money and then you put it all on black and then it lands on green and then it's all gone. And you're like, Oh, what happened? <laughs> There's no skill in roulette. There's still some skill to this. It's not exactly like a gambling, but it's much closer Speculating is much closer to gambling than what we talk about as investing. So, is there anything else you want to mention before we sign off?
0: Just one more quick concept. I'm sure a lot of people who are stock investors or, or have heard the term the lost decade in the stock market. It was just that had you bought in at a particular time in the last decade, 20 years ago, actually, and then held stocks long term, we went from basically the peak of the market to financial collapse. There would have been a zero percent return in a full decade well had you been invested in cash flowing anything anything that provide interest dividend or cash flow like real estate you at least would have had that And over the course of a decade you could have potentially doubled your money who knows Mm -hmm. so that's the whole thing is i never want to place a bunch of capital on something wait 15 years to find out if it's going to pan out to me it gets back to the 401k thing we talked about earlier but Anyway, I could go on and on, but no, I don't have anything else. Uh, We'll cut it off.
2: Perfect. All right, Travis. (laughs) Well, make sure you check out his blog post, How to Invest Like a Pro, Speculating Versus Investing. I'm assuming it's in bigger pockets. It might be on joefairless.com too. Travis, thanks again for joining me. Best of listeners as always. Thank you for listening. Have a best ever day and we'll talk to you tomorrow.
0: Thanks, Theo. Thanks everybody. See you
1: later. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, that's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. What if you could earn ten thousand per month net cash flow for life? Now you can at the Residential Assisted Living Academy. Gene Corino teaches you how to take a single family house and turn it into a cash flow machine. Visit ralacademy.com to learn more.